Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Anesthesia Coffee Break. I'm Lahiru. And I'm Stan. And today we're going to go through arguably the most daunting section of this exam, the short answer question paper. A little bit about us, we're not examiners for this exam, however, our interest in doing this podcast is due to our love of teaching this content and helping lots of trainees over the years. We both passed the exam on our first attempt, but I feel privileged to be doing this podcast with you, Stan, because you did win the Renton Prize for this exam. Now that's an incredible achievement for such a grueling exam, so I'm really keen to hear your thoughts and your insight tips on exam technique. So let's get into it. Stan, tell us a bit about the SAQ format. Thanks, Lars. So look, the short answer questions were probably the most daunting part of this exam for many of us. The current format requires you to answer 15 questions in 115 minutes. So with only 10 minutes per question, it requires your knowledge, structure, and presentation to be almost reflex and precise. The questions will span pure pharmacology, pure physiology, integrated questions, anatomy, safety, and equipment. With such a complex exam format with a time limit and a vast amount of knowledge to to synthesize, this part of the exam will require optimization of skills in multiple areas. Now, I would argue that the peripheral skills of exam techniques are just as important as your overall knowledge of the topic. Let's divide this into handwriting, timing, and structure. Lahiru, your handwriting is, how should I say, a great example of doctor handwriting. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Um, You're probably correct. My handwriting is appalling at the best of times. I know handwriting is a real problem for many other doctors, so I actually blame the whole structure of medicine for this. You know, it's from rushing to take notes in a lecture before the lecturer moves on from that slide to the next, or to scribbling notes on those really fast ward rounds where the consultant does rapid fire questions at you and is moving through patient after patient. And it means that we're practicing bad handwriting over and over again. So here are my tips. Um, This is what got me through. Write in really large letters. Now the exam paper is double space, so this should not be a problem. I always write in print, not cursive. And even some of my colleagues, they wrote in capitals and they did this to really great effect. So capital letters meant that there was no problem with knowing exactly what that letter was. I also wrote in dot points and underlining that allowed me to focus on important issues. And less writing in general means I was able to focus on writing the critical points as legibly as possible. One of the tips I did was give practice questions to my study mate to read and then comment on my legibility. So I encourage everyone to do that as well. You know, if the examiner can't read what you've written, you cannot get the marks. I agree. I found that handwriting in print letters and using dot points was really effective. Stan, what are your thoughts on timing? 10 minutes per question doesn't seem like much time. And it's not at all. So my advice, um, especially to trainees who are currently sitting in the exam, is that do not take more than nine minutes for each 10 minute question. You know, I, I hear stories every year of very good candidates who score very poorly and sometimes fail due to poor time management. So. Imagine if you, were, if you were spending 11 minutes for each question. This minute would multiply, running overtime for all 14 questions and would result in only one minute left to answer your last question. Running even 30 seconds over is easy to do. After putting your pen down, getting the new booklet, reading the question and thinking about it, I suspect you would only commence a new question after 30 seconds minimum. Additionally, most of your marks will be achieved in the first five minutes. If you were to use 20 minutes for one question that you knew exceptionally well, there would be minimal extra marks for your exceptional answer. But to only use three minutes for one question will result in the loss of many easy marks. So my tips include complete each question in nine minutes, use the clock on the wall to manage your time precisely, 
and most importantly, do not run over time. That's great, Stan. Um, completely agree with all of those tips, obviously. Now, Stan, the importance of structure is something that you'll hear over and over again. A comprehensive structure can give logical sequence to your writing, aid examiner comprehension, and allow you to gain extra marks you may have missed. The structure you need to apply is based on the question asked, and I remember you telling me about the two types of questions. The first type are knowledge-based questions, and the second type, understanding-based questions. So knowledge questions will begin as list, classify, write, draw, compare and contrast, briefly describe, briefly outline. And understanding questions will begin slightly differently. Explain or what are. Knowledge or understanding questions could begin as describe, discuss or outline. So can you tell us about knowledge-based questions versus understanding-based questions? Well, knowledge-based questions have a very set structure based on the topic such as physiology, pharmacology, equipment, measure, anatomy. The, the key thing that you will need is to identify the objectives that are being asked where a brief outline may be required. The second thing is that you need to recall the knowledge in the set structure based on the topic. And we'll go through some examples. Now, understanding questions, they have a dynamic structure. Here you will need to identify the objective asked and relate the objective to the context of the question. So the first step with answering understanding-based questions is to create your dynamic structure through a summary statement. And then the second step is to describe the mechanisms in your summary statement and relate it to the context. Again, we'll go through some, some examples a bit later. Yeah, sounds good. So um, I always had this, what I thought was a really good framework. I tell all my trainees for a knowledge-based question in physiology or pharmacology. For example, for physiology, I always start with a definition. These definitions you'll be drilling over and over again. I then follow with normal values and how something could be measured, if that's appropriate. And then think of all the relevant graphs I might draw, because I know a picture you know, speaks a thousand words, really. I then outline the headings and general approach for the answer. And after this, I could add some peripheral facts and maybe any relevance in disease states. So this is important. Imagine you're asked about work of breathing, as an example, you outline a good definition, normal values, how you could measure this, relevant graphs, and a structured answer of factors affecting the work of breathing. And often this is elastic and non-elastic factors. But then imagine how easy it could be to collect a couple of extra marks by just stating how work of breathing increased in a couple of disease states like asthma, increasing non-elastic work, or fibrotic lung disease, increasing elastic work. So there, I've just outlined all of my facts, and then I can add a little couple extra things as well. For knowledge-based pharmacology questions, I use this structure. So these facts would include for medications an introduction with its class, use and mechanism of action, normal dosages, and then I add on the pharmaceutics, pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So pharmaceutics, I'm gonna go through a pretty exhaustive description here, but you know, apply what is relevant. It includes descriptions of the vial, concentration, appearance, the temperature, pH and stability if it's relevant, additives if it's relevant, and isomers, but it doesn't have to be as exhaustive as that again. Pharmacokinetics, which we'll go through a lot later as we go through more questions, is absorption, distribution, metabolism, or elimination, or ADME. Pharmacodynamics can be divided into onset, offset, and duration of action. And then think about all the systemic effects divided into especially cardiovascular, respiratory, and central nervous system effects, because those are often the things that affect anesthetic drugs most. I then think of local effects and any allergic potential. 
almost every question that's knowledge-based in pharmacology, I divide into those sections. So finally, it's important to think how the drug's pharmacokinetic and dynamic profile will affect certain people, such as the elderly, the young, pregnant patients, and those with maybe CMS depression, just as a few examples. So yeah, that's my take on knowledge-based questions. And if I use this, I could get close to a pass mark for each question. So Stan, how do you think about dynamic structure? So dynamic structures are what we use for understanding questions. So let's consider this example. So the question here is, what are the physiological consequences of decreasing functional residual capacity or FRC by one liter in an adult? So I would start with a summary statement and write something like, the physiological consequences relate to the important roles of FRC and how they relate to an individual's circumstances or pathology. For example, under anesthesia, lung disease, or decreased volume of FRC. The roles of FRC include oxygen store, atelectasis, compliance, worker breathing, airways resistance, pulmonary vascular resistance, FRC below closing capacity issues, ventilation perfusion mismatch. If I had just stated this, I've answered a knowledge question, but I haven't related each point back to the context of loss of FRC by one liter. So I should write each of the above headings on a separate page or half page, then write the relevant details dot points under each heading. That's great advice, Dan, thanks. Um, it's something that didn't click for me straight away. I mean, I was busy trying to memorize the avalanche of information, but it made a huge difference on the day knowing that all I had to do was tweak my knowledge into the context that was you know, relevant, like in this case, the loss of one liter of FRC causing those problems. Now, Stan, tell me about this mysterious exam paper that they use. It's definitely different to, I think, what most people have seen before the exam. Yeah, it's definitely unique. The exam paper is a flashback to primary school handwriting classes. The paper is double space and there is limited room on each individual page to write an answer. Fortunately, there are eight double-sided pages for each booklet, so use these to your advantage. So my tips would be to include use point form and you don't have to write in long sentences or prose. Use a different page for each one to two headings and layer your answers. For example, after writing my introductory sentence and a summary statement, I would first of all add the headings of my answer to each, each new page. Then I would add a brief description of facts under each heading. And in the remaining time, I added all the extra details I could to complete my answer. And finally, I would keep my answer to nine minutes. This allowed me to put the basics of a pass answer under each heading, while still allowing me to write more if I had time. It meant I didn't write too much under one heading at the expense of writing a broad answer to gain my pass. It helped me to manage my writing space. And finally, and probably most importantly, start doing exam questions as soon as you start studying. We started off our exam prep by doing three minute questions, which were just about structure. Then memorizing the skeleton of an answer was far easier than getting bogged down in the details of your in your, you know, in your first month of study. And then move on to five to 10 minute SAQ practice. Is a way to stay exam focused and use active recall to enhance memory attention and play this game smarter and not harder. That's great, Lahiru. Get exam focused really early will help you get you exam ready sooner. I think that's a really practical summary of how to approach the SAQs. So yep, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share, and we'll see you next time. See ya.